All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now with the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. So you're thinking about starting a new website? Maybe you have a new small business idea and want to tell someone or sell something online. Maybe you want to show off your photography. Or maybe you want to start that new podcast. Ah, huh. <laughs> GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. That's impossible. They're always $99.99 or $12.99. They're $12.99, but right now GoDaddy's offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. On the actual internet or is this some BS sub-internet? No, no, this is GoDaddy.com. Right. We all use GoDaddy.com. Everything I have is on GoDaddy.com. I know. And each new .com comes with a free instant page website and a built-in photo album, so what are you waiting for? I don't Get believe Get your new it. website started today. I think it sounds like a scam. It can't possibly be GoDaddy's true. GoDaddy's not a scam. They have... Uh, uh, that hot check, Danica Patrick, for mm-hmm. their stuff. So it's not a scam. Plus, I use it for everything. It better not be a scam. <laughs> Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code FORK at the checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website. And you're all set to go. Fork you if you don't take advantage <laughs> of this incredible GoDaddy deal. I'm going to take advantage of it. A troop of strolling players are we. Stars like L.B. Mayers are we But just a simple band Who roams about the land Dispensing folder of frivolity Mere folk who give distraction are we New theater give attraction are we Oh, shut up, Sam But just a crazy group That never ceases to troop Around the map of little Italy Back to the home country again. We open in Venice. We next play Verona. Then on to Cremona. Lots of laughs in Cremona. Hey, boy. Our next jump in Parma. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. I am Mark DeCarlo, and once again, on my right is the lovely and talented traveling diva, Yenny Alvarez DeCarlo. And I'm very excited this week because we're going to talk about one of my all-time favorite places. And that would be? Italy. Italia. In, in specific, Venezia, Italy. Uh, we have the general manager of the beautiful and historic Londra Hotel. Londra Palace. Londra it's a palace. palace. It is a palace. You're right. Uh, Alain Boulot will be joining us later on. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Ireland with uh, Hollywood screenwriter and uh, bon vivant Ryan Rowe. Going to be talking about actually Northern Ireland. Yes, which is different from Ireland. Well, it's to the north, and it is a different country. Mm-hmm. It's part of the, uh, the the United Kingdom. Yes, it is. Yeah, but it is not part of Great Britain, nor is it a part of, of Ireland. Ireland. It's a special place, and uh, we're going to be learning about a big film conference that's going on there. And Ryan's going to give us a little cinematic. That's what it's called, and um, and uh, Ireland magic. And last but not least. Carolyn Corlew. She is Miss Senior American 2013. She's, what, 62 years old? Are we allowed to say her age? Yeah, she was saying it. <laughs> yeah, no, she just won in Atlantic City about a month ago. 
similar to the Miss America pageant, there's a Miss Senior America pageant where you can be married or single, and it's a, a bunch of older women competing on personality and talent and looks, and uh, Carolyn Corlew won. I know, and she is stunning. Not only is she stunning, but she is the full person. She has a phenomenal personality. She does so much with her life, and we're going to hear all about it today. She, you know what? She was a backup singer for Charlie Daniels. I know. That's I know. incredible. What a life. Imagine, imagine the story she could tell us off the air. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's kind of a wide-ranging show today. We've got Italy, we've got Ireland, and we've got the devil down in Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> so we've got a good show lined up for you. The first person we're going to talk to, we were in Italy uh, last January and stayed at the Londra Palace in Venice. And it, it, it's, like a, it's like a fairy tale, that city. It is. It's absolutely beautiful. Anywhere you look, all the little corners, it's a completely different story. But how the hell? I, I can't. I would love to have had a time machine and go back in time and see the guys when they were deciding to actually make these 118 islands into a city. <laughs> there had to be one guy going, no, 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 you got to trust me. We make it the canals and we make it the bridge. We make it so it can be a city. You're crazy. Shut up your face, Jerry. You sit down. No, trust me. And then. Fast forward 600 years, and it's an actual magical city. With and it's still standing, and it's gorgeous. And, I mean, you can't take a picture there and not have it look like a postcard. No, you can't. And you took about a 1,000 pictures of doors. I like doors. Every door has a story because they're all different. Yeah, I know. You can imagine the people that well, live you know, you behind those a, specific doors. You should doors. make a coffee cup or a coffee table thing. That's what I'm hoping book. if you didn't delete my photos. No. I'm we, missing we a have, few. We have 20,000 photos of doors. They're all Italy. different. Uh, we also want to thank everybody for all the uh, in, the uh, feedback we got last week. We did our first best of show last week because the diva was under the weather with bronchitis. and uh, <laughs> I he, couldn't speak. Mark was the happiest oh I've ever seen him. <laughs> it was like Christmas morning for a week. <laughs> Um, those of you who want to can visit our website, which is a forkontheroadshow.com. And you can contact us there, or you can contact us on at Mark DiCarlo at Twitter or Traveling Diva at Twitter. So that's a great way to get feedback from you. And um, it was really nice to get all those uh, nice emails. And people like the Best Of Show. That's it, yeah. We should actually stop doing shows and just do Best Of Shows. <laughs> Isn't that the best? No. Or just take shows from other people and just put our title the on them. I think of. that's yeah. I think that'd be, we're gonna sound a little different next week. We're gonna sound like Dana Gould, but it'll actually be <laughs> our broccoli. Oh no, that's Dana Carvey. Never mind. No, Dana Gould is. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The comedian. Dr. Zayas from. I know. Uh, I yeah. know. I'm sorry. I I was thinking of um the comedian chopping broccoli. Oh well, my God, he's so. Funny. Dana Gould's a comedian too. He's a very funny comedian. But that was very high that, strung. That's somebody else did a carving. Whatever. Uh, uh, so <laughs> thank you for all that, and continue to follow us. Also, this week I've got a new um, couple new pieces actually on HuffingtonPost.com. So go to HuffingtonPost.com, search for my page, which is Carlo, and you'll see a piece on Yeni's hula dance, our biplane ride in Hawaii, and a great video of perhaps Italy's best bartender. Oh, my God. He was so... Marino Lucetti is the bartender at the Londra Palace. He was so funny. And we were without there. trying. He was funny without trying. He was, well, he's very reserved in Italian. And we were there, and Yeni told him that she was from Cuba because the big drink in Venice is Bellini. Bellini. But that's a summer drink. Yes. So we're sitting at the bar one happy hour, and Yeni said, Oh, I'm from Cuba. Make me a drink that I will like. And he goes, Okay. 
Holan, and he made her a passion fruit mojito. That was exciting. And it was one of the best mojitos I've ever had. Where do you get a passion fruit in they, Italy? They have a specific fruit that is only from there. Yeah, but the, it's certainly not growing in December. I have no idea. Well, he, it's a it's a funny interview with him, and it's a uh, how-to video for making passion fruit mojitos, and you can see that on um, my travel blog at HuffingtonPost.com. And while we're in the Venice mood, I think it's time that we speak to the... He's the general manager. He's been working there for 12 years at one of the most iconic hotels in all of Venice. You see it in all the postcards. Yeah, if you've seen a picture of Venice, you have seen a picture of the Laundry Palace. It's the one with the the, um, statue in front that has all the gondolas lined up right in front of it. Yeah, it's the the closest fantastic hotel to Piazza San Marco. Stunning. And uh, gorgeous. And we're going to find out why it's such a special place. So let's welcome to the show... The general manager of the Laundry Palace, Signore Alain Boulot. That sounded French, though. Alain Boulot. Signore. 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 Alain Boulot. Signore Alain Boulot. Ciao, 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 boy. Uh, this is Alain Boulot. You are the general manager of the lovely Laundry Palace in Venice, Italy, correct? Yes, correct. We just. Uh... Join also the family of Relaciato, so we have now the only Relaciato property in Venice. Right, that's a that's a luxury hotel chain, the Relaciato. They have fantastic hotels all over the world, and the Londra Palace. If you're going to go to Venice, it is it's like the, the the perfect archetype Venice hotel. It's right on the water, right in front of that big statue of the the horse and what yeah. 100 yards from uh, all Piazza San Marco and... yes how long have you been yeah, at the hotel now it's uh, 12 years that I'm there I started uh, as a front office manager deputy and now 3 years as a general manager why do you think venice is still such a popular destination for tourists but you know i think venice it's a completely different city in all around the world. I think there is now, for sure, other cities like Venice. You can imagine a city that you have to work, you cannot uh, park your car. Sometimes we still have clients asking if they can park the car at the, uh, close by the hotel or if you have a parking area. So it's uh, sometimes really strange, uh, but it's really a different way of life. Uh, it's a sort of museum. An opening museum, so it's uh, everything. When we speak about the palace, it's maybe uh, 500 years old. The church that it's has maybe other 600, 700 years old. It's uh, everything. It's really uh, plenty of history, and uh, at the same time, you are really outside. It's, and it's you have very you have the feeling of the history in all the stones that you have in the city. Yeah, it, 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 that's but a good point. It's, it's, like a, it's like an outdoor museum. Everything is so beautiful. and Well, it's a world heritage site. But how could, how could someone that was yeah, going to yeah. Venice think that they could bring their car? I mean, <laughs> that's yeah, but, You know, but it's not only... You can maybe that I'm saying that they are American. No, we have sometimes also... But it's quite strange because now everybody has seen Venice in... Uh, in TV or in a movie or whatever, right. but still have also some Italians that they ask me if they can park the, the car. That's safe for sure. 
close by San Max. Well, it's quite it's quite difficult, but we we never know. It's but at the present moment now. <laughs> it's and it's just a stunning city, and and your hotel I think encapsulates the best of the city. It 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 certainly has a classical Italian look and feel to it. The service is great. You have. A great bartender. In yes, Marina Yes, Mari, Marino. Yes, if you want to have uh, the best Bellini in the city, you have to come. Maybe not only in the city in Venice, you have to come to see Marina, and then uh, you have uh, you have to ask, and you have to come only in particular um, time and period of the year because uh, you do the Bellini um, just with the, some particular peaches that you find only in particular. Uh, period of the year, so you, you never will drink a martini, sorry, a bellini uh, at the Londra Palace uh, in December because we don't have the peaches and we don't use uh, uh, other things. So you can maybe have something different with another name, with other uh, fresh fruit, but not bellini. Right. Well, we were there. We were there last December, and the reason we went in the winter is because sometimes people say Venice gets awfully crowded. During the summer, obviously, it's a little, it's in northern Italy, so it does get a little cooler. But I loved being in the city when it wasn't as crowded. Is 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 December and the holidays yeah. a good time to be there because of that? Uh, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I was speaking exactly the same thing with some friends uh, just a couple of hours ago because they were asking me when to when coming to Venice. And they say, why not coming during the winter? Uh, you see the real Venice, the Venice of the Venetians. That means uh, uh, that you have not three, and you have you don't have all the tourists that you have uh, during the summer or in a season. Of course, you, it's winter, so you can have a foggy day, you can have uh, the tide, you can. Uh, uh, but at the same time, you you have another Venice because. Uh, Imagine uh, in the evening going uh, in Samak Square when it's foggy and you have only the light uh, uh, of the, the, the center and it's amazing. You have uh, you don't see maybe from the Londra Palace that we have inside the in front the island of uh, uh, San Giorgio and you don't see the island because it's foggy and it's right. another Venice. It's really what we we have also the the, the rumors that you have. And it's uh, it's amazing. Or maybe you have the tide, and you go to Samak Square. You see the water that is going up. It's uh, and you have maybe I don't say alone, but uh, it's another really way to to see the city. You see the city, not the tourists. Yeah, that's and a good it, it way was, to put it. And the room itself, I remember it was a, a phenomenal suite. And my favorite part was waking up and opening the windows, even though it was a little cold and I'm not a, a, a winter girl. And I opened the windows and the first sight that early morning was blue gondolas all lined up yeah. in front of me, like yeah, 10 steps sure. away from me, uh, waving up and yeah. down in the sea. It was phenomenal. It's like a fairy tale uh, uh, kingdom. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Walking around yeah. and getting lost in Venice was one of my favorite things. Absolutely. And coming back to the London Palace Absolutely. for happy hour. <laughs> what you have to do that uh, you never reach to do it is to get lost in Venice. Uh, so you have uh, to, you say, you, I'm going up from the trail, I'm turning right, I'm going left, and then uh, uh, I try to get lost. Uh, and you you see, of course, with your eyes, uh, what the city can uh, can give you, but you never get lost because at the end you 
It's an island, so you come back some places uh, <laughs> we, we that actually... you know, so there is no problem, but it's amazing, it's nice. We found it very easy. I do the easy. same with my children, and so I'm Venetian, but I try to do the same with my children in some part of the Venice that we maybe we don't go every every week, so we try to, and then you right high, you find the channel, you have to come back here, ah. maybe to Leicester, there is a one way straight and then you have to come back and then you go in another park and then you, are, you find some square. How can I reach some square? I, I didn't see. I cannot do twice the same road. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not a straight street in the city. It, it, it is, it is a, what is 118 different islands all connected by bridges and canals. And, you know, I, I think anyone that owns a passport has seen pictures and seen Venice in film, but I, I, you even, don't get the full effect. I was you not prepared for it. how bizarre. I mean, who the hell thought that they could make a city out of this place? Can you imagine, like, before yeah. all the buildings were there, exactly. that some guy had to sit down and go, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start <laughs> building buildings, <laughs> exactly. we're going to connect yeah. it all. And you have, to, you have to imagine that now we are working. So everybody, of course, goes out, work in Venice. Mm -hmm. But you have to imagine that in the ancient time, the city was only with the gondolas. So that's why you have the palaces that they all the time they have an entrance by water. That's why the, all the churches, the main entrance is where you have the water. Now, of course, uh, you have less channel because they, they, they close the channel. So to, to give the possibility to the people, of course, now to work. Mm -hmm. But in the ancient times, everybody was going out uh, not with the, the car, but with the gondola. The boats, the gondolas. What are some What are some classic Venetian recipes of food? We had a lot of really great Italian food there in Venice, and it's a little different up north than it was down in the south of the country. What What are your favorite Venetian recipes? Recipes. You have some particular risottos, for example, the one with the. Uh, the obviously in English with the ink and that it's a, a sort Weird. of black rice. But no, it's not a black rice, but it's but with the that uh, the ink it, it take a taste that it's very particular. Or the, what we call the in Venetian, uh, it's not tapas, but it's a sort of tapas, a cicchetti. It's a phenomenal cicchetti. You go to maybe you don't go. To a particular restaurant, but you go to some places where you have uh, what we call an unombra de vina. L'ombra that means uh, uh, it's a small glass of uh, red wine usually, and then you have uh, I don't know the, the bacala. You can have uh, all that small things, fish. Uh, yes, uh, and that's during. So you you the go happy from hour, one side. Right? It's a, exactly. It's also happy hour, but. Sometimes Venetian, they do in uh, one place or they're going to different places. They meet friends. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's a nut job. You know? To be a Venetian, it's not so easy. Everyone was really friendly. And, and that, I think that was my favorite thing every day. We would, you know, we would go to museums and walk around during the day. Then about 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, we would just start hitting these outdoor restaurants or the indoor restaurants and start drinking wine and eating and talking to people. And, and Yeni taught herself Italian yeah. before we went. So we were, we, I think we kind of slipped in almost like locals and we had the, the people are so yeah. warm and friendly and I, I think are so proud of their city, which is just, a, it's, it's a great thing to behold. Yeah, absolutely. That's really, you're right. And uh, that's also during the winter, of course, it's 
easier because people they are less stressed by the uh, by all the amazing tourists that we have all year round. So they are more they have time to take time with you. So they they are more friendly. It's uh, it's, it's it's a little bit different. It's uh, another um, how we can say another way to see Venice in a different way, but maybe in the in correct one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do have to say that um, after waking up and seeing the beautiful views, you get a little hungry. That breakfast <laughs> exactly. buffet that you have there, I, I, I was in love. Just I, I kept ordering the olive oil with the croissant and the butter. I ate so much olive oil and croissant and butter and that full <laughs> breakfast buffet right before going out yeah. to the piazzas and walking around and seeing all the little places and getting lost in Venice was fantastic. Yeah. So, and it's a great itinerary to just come back after the, um, after all the shopping and come back and have the happy hour with Marino. And um, he made yeah. me different, different drinks. One of them, I know he made a mojito because I told him I'm Cuban. So he made me this Absolutely. incredible mojito. A passion fruit mojito. Oh, yeah. that was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and coming yeah, back and eating at the Londra <laughs> Palace too with um with the chef, he made us everything we ate there was amazing. A lot of great fish, a lot of really good fish, obviously because you're right there on the water. It, it, Absolutely. It, how do you get any work done? I would think it, working in a hotel in Venice is a lot like working in Hawaii. There's just so many distractions. <laughs> how do you? I, I, I don't know that I could have a job in Venice. <laughs> like you know, it's uh, it's really like it, it, everything. It's passion and uh, emotions because it's really uh, it's not only for the, the clients that we have but it's also for us because uh, at the end uh, it's like you we, clients uh, become friends and so they come back they send relatives they send other people maybe the first time they they, they were they have to be engaged and so they come back when they get married and so they have all the time something to uh, to, to, to have and to, to do and it's really an amazing what I usually say also to the people that they're working with me is that uh, uh, we have to create em- emotions and because we, we don't have the, the idea that when someone comes to Venice and we open the windows uh, in uh, uh, one of our blacks or junior suite uh, where they have the lagoon view uh, just in front and they see the, the island of San Giorgio and the lagoon when they come back home, they are not the same persons. They have emotions that they didn't have before. So it's really, uh, we try to work on that, even if it's difficult, uh, and to um, see the people that uh, really Venice, uh, it's not the Venetian that you have in Las Vegas. It's something different. <laughs> yeah, it's no, really no, no, plenty no, no. of emotion, plenty of very good things, uh, people that work, people that... Uh, have uh, really the the history in their eyes, maybe. That's a great point. And really, more people in the hospitality industry should think that way because that is what you're selling. You're selling the emotional experience of being in Venice. And and everyone in the city, and especially at the Laundry Palace, everyone on your staff was just so open and... um, you know what? And That's what they were doing. Friendly. They were sharing the the emotional experience of discovering this city. It must be kind of cool. It's like you know, I'm from Chicago, and I love bringing people for the first time yeah. to Chicago because it's a great city, and, and there are so many great things to do. And people have a preconceived notion of what Chicago is before they show up, 
And then you take them around yeah. the city and you can see people go, oh, this is why people like this place. You know, the people are nice. The buildings are great. <laughs> and to see that light go on is is a it's a great feeling. So I, I well, that's being there what you're talking and, about and huh? seeing for me, I get a kick out of little corners. I love doors. I love seeing. She took a thousand pictures of doors and doorknobs while we were there. <laughs> Because you don't get that here. Kid. You don't get that anywhere else. Where are you going to find all those beautiful doors and doorknobs? That open onto water. <laughs> <laughs> it was gorgeous. It was absolutely amazing. And to be there and to know that it's been there years. And, and every door has a story for me. Every little corner in Venice yeah. was Uh, you could create a little story out of it. It was gorgeous just to be there and seeing it and touching it and being part of it and seeing the people that live there. And you can almost see their ancestors. You yeah, can almost see their stories. Yeah. Also, uh, you, can clo you close your eyes and you think what was Venice 100 years before, 200 years before. Yes. And you imagine that all the stones that you... When you open again your eyes, you have in front of you really the history and all the stones, what they have seen in their life, we can say. Right. Yes. Right. Well, how many other people have stood here in the same place and smelled these same things exactly. and had the same and food? eaten the same food and, well, and shared an, in the tradition. An, another thing to point out, I, I would think, is that when you go to Venice during the holidays or during the winter, everything is a lot cheaper. So if you're looking to uh, visit... On, you know, if you're trying to travel on a budget and you want to see a lot of Italy, um, I think it's a better time to be there in addition to being able to interact with mostly Venetians instead of other tourists from your hometown, you know? Absolutely. You can have uh, very good rates because of uh, hotels and not only the hotels, they, they have more uh, availability and so they have good prices. You can maybe match uh, to have a good package that include... Uh, Uh, I don't know, a dinner or something different, a gondola ride or whatever. So you can catch uh, really for sure best uh, best things and you have really very good, uh, more maybe for sure experiences because you are prices uh, that more correct, we can say, less people in the town, uh, you see Venetians, uh, you have the real life uh, Uh, that uh, that we have, we lived all the every day we that we are Venetian. So. Yeah. Well, it was it was a pleasure uh, being there, and we had a, we had a great time. We're happy that you're on the show. Please tell Marina we said hi, and uh, in the um, check out my uh, my uh, travel section in the Huffington Post, we did a nice piece on uh, Marino, and we show how he makes the passion fruit mojito. I didn't think we would get a passion fruit mojito in Venice <laughs> in January, but we did, and it was delicious. Okay. Please. And he named an aperitif after me. Well, I'm he... sure he does that to a lot yeah, of people. So, <laughs> yeah. you, you, know, you know that you have your Venetian uh, home. So, Longio Palace, uh, we are there waiting for you and uh, for everybody. That sounds good. That sounds good. Grazie mille. Oh, grazie mille. We can't wait to be back. Well, I'm not okay. Okay. Ciao, my friend. Thank you so much. Ciao, thank you so much. Ciao, grazie mille. Ciao, grazie Passion. Passion. Yes. That's All what... Italians are passionate. How can you tell one from another? Some are and some aren't. 
But I think all people in the hospitality no, they're business. they're all passionate. Yes. They're all passionate True. about something. They they live their life to the fullest there. They really do. And that's why civilization began <laughs> and reached its apex in Italy. You know when I knew that? <laughs> I knew they were passionate? When you and I were trying to fall asleep. Like at two in the morning, there's a, a couple walking out. And the lady's looking at him going, Surpresa! Surpresa! And I look out the window and she grabs her fabulous Prada bag and hits him over the head. Surpresa! Surpresa! And the guy's following after her. Oh, Bella, Bella. What does surpresa mean? means surprise. So she was like, what do you mean a surprise? And she hit him over the head with a bag. That sounds like someone that got caught with their gumada. Yep. Yeah. Which is it also passionate. Yeah, it was a surprise. <laughs> Baby, you weren't supposed to be home for two days. <laughs> surprise! Um, I think anyone that's really successful in the hospitality industry has to have that passion for giving the guests a great experience. Because really, when you're talking about travel, that's all you have. You know, you get pictures, but the reason you go and get in the plane and go through the TSA and go through all the bullshit to be necessary there. is to be there and touch it and feel it and smell it and eat it and be in a place that you kind of travel back in time in your own head because you can look around and say, you know, I wonder who was here, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, he was talking about that. That was, that was, uh, it's really a fantastic place, the Lunder Palace. I believe it's uh, lunderpalace.com. You can check that out. Also, a great time of the year to go. It wasn't crowded and um, great for the holidays, great for the new year. Had a great who time in Venice. doesn't want to go? I mean, I would go anytime. I don't think you can call yourself a world traveler if you haven't been to Venice. So there you go. Now we can call ourselves world travelers. Yay. Woohoo! Uh, speaking of Venice, Northern Ireland is not Venice. No, it's not. It's cold and dank and very green, and where Venice revels in the architecture and the gorgeousness of all the five to 600-year-old buildings, Northern Ireland's all about the glens and the, uh, the natural beauty of mm-hmm. that place. Um, there, every year, they stage a, a film festival. It's called Cinemagic. And it, it uh, in, gathers movie-making professionals from around the world, and they give seminars and things to Irish students, adults, and children. And uh, one of the folks that's going over to Northern Ireland from America is big-time Hollywood screenwriter Ryan Rowe. Ryan's written a bunch of uh, movies that you would know. He's a very funny guy, and he's been over to Ireland, Northern Ireland, several times to go to this cinematic conference. So we thought we'd ask him, what is so special about Northern Ireland? That's a place I've never been. Me neither. No. I want to ask him about the food. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we had J.J. Uh, Gubbins on the show and was talking about his, his uh, author trips to Ireland, where he takes a bunch of people over there and they follow in the steps of James Joyce and uh, famous Irish authors. But that's Ireland. That's Dublin. This is up in Belfast in Northern Ireland. And uh, luckily, we caught up with Ryan before he got on the plane. Ryan Rowe, welcome to A Fork on the Road. Welcome. Nice to be here. Nice Nice to see you both. So now you are a big-time Hollywood screenwriting celebrity, and you're heading over to Ireland? It's actually Northern Ireland, which is part of the United Kingdom. And Uh, Ireland is not. No. There's the island of Ireland. Yes. uh, And the Republic of Ireland is most of it. But then there's the northern six counties, which make up Northern Ireland, which is still part of the United Kingdom. Ah. And are you Irish? I guess somewhere Mm -hmm. way back in the, you know, in the mix uh, up 
high in the family tree. There's got to be some Irish and it's, some English and all kinds of Scottish too. The whole, the whole, the whole group. Is this your first time going? No, um, I was invited four years ago for the first time, um, and I have no idea still to this day why they invited me. But uh, they got my name. <laughs> well, you're a big time screenwriter. That's well, why. no, but I'm not the only screenwriter in. You may, you may be the only screenwriter with this kind of mutty white mix of blood. <laughs> that way you're, you know, you're... Uh, I, I think that you're from it. that general area, that right? My, yeah. my agent literally got a, uh, just an email out of the blue that she passed <coughs> on to me saying, we would like to invite your client, Ryan Rowe, to come teach a two-day seminar in screenwriting to young people from 18 to 25 at our festival in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And the name of the festival again? Cinemagic. And it's been going on for... Over 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So these are... I mean, living here in Hollywood, obviously there's a big film community, but I had no idea that there was a film community in Northern Ireland. Well, they're trying to create a film community. It, this is It's a festival aimed at uh, letting young people know that there are careers. There's, there's the possibility of, of realizing your dreams in the, in the profession of film and television. So if you wanted to go to Ireland as a tourist and you were interested in film, this might be a good time of year to go. Because you go, you sure. take some classes, and you get to see the beautiful Emerald Isle. Sure, and there's a you know there's a big draw in Belfast these days. If you're a TV viewer, um, Game of Thrones is filmed uh -huh. mostly there, as well as some other places on the continent. But that's where they're headquartered. They occupy a huge soundstage in what's called the Paint Hall, where the Titanic was painted back in the movie. No. The, the real Titanic. The ship was Woo! built in Belfast. The docks are still there. The dry dock that it was assembled in is still there. Wow. Um, wow. The paint hall where it was painted is now this huge converted soundstage that they film many of the interior Game of Thrones scenes on. And by the way, Game of Thrones is an unsinkable series. <laughs> I think that is the connection. Yeah. Anyway, they, they, they do film a number of uh, scenes out around in, in uh, Northern Ireland. And you can like take a tour and go see where some of your favorite... Uh, you know, beheadings have occurred. Oh. Um, what are your top five beheadings? <laughs> well, I mean, if you watch the series, it, there's there's that kind of stuff going on. Wasn't Anne Boleyn beheaded? Yeah, but that was in London, I believe, <sighs> not in Belfast. Uh, that was home country. Yeah. And Belfast is a city that, that I never imagined myself going to. It was just a place I'd heard about, you know, it had the troubles, and it was, you know, filled with uh, violence and... and, and disharmony for for a couple of uh, decades and the peace accord in the 1999 I think 1998 99 um, as as allowed peace to finally take hold there well and we had, a couple weeks ago we had JJ uh, Gubbins on who does these um, writers seminars in Ireland. Mm. He gets people here, he takes them over there, and then they go and they visit all the places that Henry James hung out and sure. wrote, or all the different Irish writers of the times, sure. and kind of takes them on a pilgrimage to see the places And most that, of them are bars. Pubs. Pubs, bars, <laughs> places like that. So well, that, is, that is the writer's life, I'm afraid. Yeah. So, so you're a drunkard as well? Yeah. <laughs> what? like it's a bad thing. I did really enjoy visiting the Bushmills Distillery when we traveled, uh, my wife and I traveled around Northern Ireland, which was incredibly beautiful, by the way. Um, do you find you drink more when you're in Ireland than you do here at home? I was there during the winter, so it doesn't get light until about 8.30 or 9 in the morning, and it gets dark about 3.30 or 4. There's really nothing much to do other than drink. Oh. 
And Bushmills was your jo- drink of choice while you were there? I thought it was, I mean, Bushmills or a Guinness. What, are you, what else are you going to drink? You're, oh, Guinness. Yeah. Yum. So for people that are thinking about going over to Ireland, um, what, what are the must-sees to do in Northern Ireland? I, it just seems like, to me, yeah. it's a place where you just go and you look at a lot of green rolling hills. Castles. And, castles. 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 That's, that's right. what you go see. You take a tour of all the castles there are to see. But I've been to Disneyland. I've seen oh Snow God. White's Castle. What more is there to learn? We took a drive. See what we, I have to work with? Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Believe me. It's, 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 it's sad and you're doing God's work. Yeah. Um, we left Belfast in a rental car, and we drove up along the coast. It's called the Antrim Coast. The, the, the glens of Antrim are these incredibly beautiful green glens that come down out of the, you know, they call them mountains or hills. To us, it's, you know, just a rise in the road, basically. <laughs> um, I think the highest mountain in the entire, on the entire island is, you know, about... It's, it's lower than Griffith Park, let's put it that way. <laughs> it's a piffle. I know, I know, I know. There's nothing. But they have these in, incredibly beautiful glens with these flowing streams, and you just feel like you're Actually, a... I have two friends. The glens of Silver Lake live in <laughs> Griffith yeah. Park. Sure. Beautiful gay couple. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, and so we, we went around the coast and visited... Um, they have these wonderful... Uh, besides Bushmills Distillery, they have these great... Sites like the Giant's Causeway, this natural basalt formation. They have the Dunluce Castle, which was this incredible place filled with you know horror and intrigue, and people were slaughtered there, and half of it slid away into the ocean uh. one night, taking about five servants with it at the same time. It was. Wow. Uh, we went to Portrush, which is sort of their Coney Island, um, and uh, oh, they have we, a Coney Island. They do, they do, and uh, we just thought not only was it beautiful, but the people were so friendly and so really? welcoming. And they just made us feel like a million bucks wherever we were. It was, it was great. Easy to understand them? Is the, the, the language or the accent so intense that it's difficult to communicate? Or are they basically speaking your English? We didn't have any difficulties with that. The only difficulty actually was um, uh, driving. Because you know, you're driving on the left and you have to concentrate. <laughs> Yeah. So you don't go sliding over to the right and cause a horrible. Accident. I have to say, one of the scarier times oh, no. of my life is is you know driving to dinner a, a half an hour somewhere from our our castle. We stayed in a castle. Oh, right? you stayed yeah, in yeah, a yeah, castle. Yeah. I want to hear all about it. Uh, sure, sure. Um, and uh, we were coming back from Derry, also known as London Derry. Um, and you're on a little two-lane road, and with the headlights coming in the distance, every fiber in your being says, you're on the wrong side of the road, you're on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> and you have to go, no, I'm on, the right side the, I'm on the correct side of the road, which is the wrong side of the road. And you're, you, you, you fear you're just going to do that, like Christopher Walken, you know, <laughs> from Annie Hall, Hall thing of just, of just turn instinctively into the headlights and kill yourself. <laughs> did you do that? I did not. Okay. Huh. I want to hear about um, the food. Oh, you there you go. That's all, yeah. that's all you need to hear. Yeah. Irish people have a lot of wonderful things about their culture. I would not put food at the top of the Literature, list. Literature, music. It's been a long time since. That, that, that's an old look at the fa- Look at that. Did you hear the pause when you asked him about the food? I have to say, literature, music, they are geniuses. Food, not so much. So what did you do? Well, here's the thing that's interesting is... The English have it, the Irish have it, 
the, the even Northern Ireland is Indian called food. Ulster. Oh, well, okay. we that's <laughs> that night I was driving back from London Dairy. We'd gone for Indian food. Uh, they they all have these gigantic breakfasts that are that are insane in Northern Ireland. It's called the Ulster Fry. Then you have the Irish Fry or the English Fry. And a fry, they they they'll come to you and they go, "Do you want the full fry this morning?" And uh, what's a full fry? A full fry is a bunch of stuff. It's uh, potatoes and eggs and sausages and ham and biscuits and mm. so it fills the entire plate. It's like enough for the entire really day. It's good though. It's eggs good, and potatoes but, but, and sausage but, but and they, ham. They, it's weird. They're doing it out of this strange obligation. So they kind of like you're staying at some castles and they go, "You want the full fry today?" Well, well, yeah, because you're a tourist. You're thinking, what, no English muffin? Okay. <laughs> and then they go and they start frying it all up and they bring out this plate. It's piled high. It's enough food for two or three people. And for, it doesn't sound for, particularly healthy. It is not healthy. You're just packing it directly into your arteries to borrow an old Jay Leno joke. Um, but it's, it's what they eat in the mornings. And uh, at night, you're just looking for something that's not going to sit in your <laughs> gut for a couple of days. Yeah. I, I can't really so, recommend the food. Beautiful what drinks. What kind of food was it? Was it, it I mean, all I hear it's is It's potatoes breakfast. and cabbage and fried meats. But of, no condiments. Is that why it doesn't taste good? They do not have pickle relish there. They, I, you'd think they would because it's green. Yeah, yeah. No pickle relish. I, I have, the only time I got something that I thought was, this is specifically... Irish, and this is actually pretty tasty. They have a lot of uh, lamb. And I had a lamb burger, and it was really good. Hmm. But other than that, it is, it's all fried stuff. It's, it's, it just seems like, you know, you're living in a land where there's not a lot of daylight, and just everything is But you gray. were in a castle, and they served yeah. you the big old breakfast. Yeah. And... Lamb burger for dinner? No, that was in a different place. That oh, was actually right. in Belfast, in the big city. We went to a, you know, a hipster restaurant, or as hipstery as Belfast can get. Um, yeah. And uh, the lamb burger seemed too tasty to pass up. Yeah. All right, but so the, the mornings, the mornings. Thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. Sausages down. and 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 I don't mean sausages like Jimmy Dean sausages. I mean like you know big fat you know, what are the bangers or whatever they're, they're called and and beans, bangers and beans for and breakfast. Oh yeah. And um, uh, eggs and some sort of potato-y things that are grotiny looking on one hand. And then another... Is that, is that a word? I don't know. It's grot- <laughs> grotten, you know, potatoes oh, are oh, grotiny. Gr- yeah. They're grotiny. So they're... they're grotiny. <laughs> and then uh, another, you know, chafing dish filled with sort of steaming kind of like, you know, hash brown looking things. I'm nah, looking up another word. <laughs> not yeah. as good as grotney. Yeah, and uh, and it all just looks like it was made a couple days ago, and they're just now getting around to trying give to it get to rid the of Americans. It. They're here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so food, you don't go to Ireland for the food. You, you go for the the resplendent beauty and the castles. The castles. Aren't the castles the cold fun? and nasty? They are. They're very cold. They're all they're hard to heat because they're cold yeah. stone. But the um, Again, the people, the people even even in the cold castles are warm and friendly and lovely. So, so the people are not grotiny. No. <laughs> okay. What other questions do you have about Ireland, baby? And this is Northern well, Ireland. Northern, Northern Ireland. Ireland. Not Ireland. They, well, there's I'm always a big... curious about the food. Always. I sure. want to know people. Well, it sounds like it's shit. It sounds like it's horrible. No, but you know the lamb burger, so that's something to recommend. Right. There's, there's Indian food. 
there's good Indian food, but I mean, because it's part of the United Kingdom, yeah. I mean, you get great Indian food. Which is in, that's what I in, hear when in you, England. Yeah. Sure. And, when you and go to England, is, you don't you know you don't go to an English restaurant. You go to you go eat Indian food. Right. That's what they eat. And it's the the, the Northern Irish are <clears throat> left out because there's England. They're not part of England. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're not part of Great Britain. That's the Isles. Mm-hmm. They are part of the United Kingdom. So they get included just in that last little mention. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's why they're so nice. They're trying so hard to impress you. They're the D'Artagnan of the United Kingdom. They're trying. The the fourth musketeer? Yes. Oh, very good. Nice. Really? Nice. Am I the only one that knows it? Evidently not. (laughs) It's the way you pronounce it. That's how it's pronounced. D'Artagnan. In English. Not in Spanglish. No. So you're going there uh, next yes, week for right. the, say the name of the festival again. Cinemagic. Okay, and and people from all over the world come to do this, or it's mostly no. can tourists go and do this? No, it's really just Locals? for the, the the local population of Belfast and Northern Ireland. So in the screenwriting seminar that I give, uh, there were kids who got on a bus at. at you know, six in the morning and rode for an hour or 90 minutes to come into the big city, Belfast, to take this seminar um, to, because they have these stories. They have these amazing stories that some they've made up, of course, but some are from their own lives in this really interesting part of the world. And they mm. want to, they want to tell them. And is there a difference? I mean, a story is a story, obviously, but uh, when you're teaching these kids to write, you approach it differently in a different culture or is it all the same? No, I, I mean, maybe I should think about that, but I don't. I, I, I think that the approach to storytelling uh, is universal, and um, what stories you tell are obviously very culturally based, but uh, the approach, uh, how to get it out of your head and down on the paper, I think that's pretty universal. Okay. So... Would you recommend Belfast as a tourist destination? And if so, what part of the year? You're going in the dead of winter. I I am. I am. I'm I'm flying in out of Dublin, which is, that's Ireland. That's traditional Ireland. That's, you know, James Joyce and and, uh, home of Guinness. And that's, uh, you know, that's all the stuff that people come for. Trinity College. And And then how far from from Dublin up to Belfast in Northern Ireland? uh, It's only about 90 minutes on the the highway. And Um, does Guinness taste different there? Yes. What's the difference? Uh, it's chewier. More it's <laughs> not grotiny or yeah or um, hash brownie. Hash brownie. Thank you. <laughs> uh, though it is chewier, mm. you know, a, a fresh draft of, of Guinness with the with the top and letting it sit for you know two minutes before they serve it and all that stuff. It's yum. Yeah, they do they do a nice job with it there. Yeah. We. What was the biggest surprise when you went to Ireland or Northern Ireland the first time? Because, you, you know, whenever I go someplace, you have this set of expectations in your mind because you've read about it, you've heard about it, you've seen it in films or whatever. And then you get there and there's always a, a, a difference. Belfast, I had no idea was going to be anything other than this sort of gray, bombed out city who'd experienced decades of strife. Mm. And it turned out to be vibrant and lots of new construction that was beautiful and interesting and it was a city that i felt i, I felt at home in even mm. though i'd never been there before um That's i thought how it was we fantastic. felt in italy 
we had never been there before and you just feel very yeah. comfortable. It. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. I can't wait to go back, but this time I'm not going in winter. I get it. That you know what? That's a common thread though. He went in winter, we went in winter. Maybe when the when the place is not flooded with tourists, people are more happy to see you. You know, if you go to Italy in May or August when there's a thousand people there, maybe the locals are like, ugh. You know how They're it gets. Done. They're done with you. Yeah. So go in the beginning of summer. We took our teenage boys to Europe a couple of years ago, the first time, and we thought, well, we're over there. We have to see Venice, but it was Venice in the summertime, and it was hot, and it was completely packed, and my kids were like, why are we here? This is awful. Really? Yeah. And I couldn't blame them. So it was crowded, so it was difficult to get around? It was difficult. Difficult, difficult to get around. It was, it was uh, uncomfortable to be there. It was just elbow to elbow people. Really? And yeah, and it was, it was not a pleasant place to be. Even though, and also by the way, teenage boys. I, I forgot when I was making the plans for this. I think Venice is a place if you're a little kid, it's completely fascinating because there's canals and there's boats and there's there's stuff that you play with in your bathtub and all the, and all that sort of stuff. Or if you're a little bit older, it is romantic, and you can sense that. Or maybe you have a girlfriend, and you get to participate in that. Um, but for teenage boys, it's kind of right in the middle with it, your parents. Yeah, Aww. teenage boys with your parents. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to. And if it's hot, and the canal's stinking a little bit, and uh, see, we didn't get that. Yeah, it was in winter. Well, well, because it's absolutely different in winter. Yeah. But I loved it. I thought it was a beautiful city. Sure. Yeah, he was trying to find some teenage boys, but there were none to be had. <laughs> well, they're there. You just have to look harder. Yeah. Yeah. It was I loved it. It was a beautiful city. The 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 artisans are amazing. I I I got to walk around on my own for a little bit. And um, Mark let you walk around on your own? <laughs> she gets twenty minutes of her own time every day. Huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean I've got the GPS thing on her ankle. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And for her own safety. Would you stop? And I found this cute little restaurant, and a lot of them have stop it. A lot of them have like um, uh, prefixed meals, and um, there's this one store that had that made these pens that like um, this plumes and yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Wrote letters for you. They oh, act, okay. no. I mean, what are those things called? The calligraphy pens. Oh yeah, sure. At one entire store dedicated to these amazing calligraphy pens that were like $200 and up. And it was incredible. Just that. Calligraphy mm -hmm. pens. The entire store. They were gorgeous. Nothing like you will find here yeah. or at the Venetian in Vegas. Nothing like that. Yeah. There's one artist, uh, a wood artist that lives in Venice, that I went to go check out. But for some reason, the hours there, they don't care. They say they open at 2, they open at 4. He was never there. This guy... Um, he's a, a wood craft person. Yeah. Wood carver. Wood carver. He created... A wood craft person. He's a woodsmith. <laughs> woodsmith. Okay. That's the word I was looking for. Wood, woodsmith. I think right? you meant wood carver. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Stop it with my accent. He's a woodsmith. Very grotny. <laughs> Very grotny. Ay, Dios mío. Um, he's the guy that created... The, the boat, and the boat looks like a car, or it looks like a vase with a flower, mm. and it's an actual boat, and he'll, he'll um, I gotta show you pictures, I don't even know how to describe it, it's incredible. He makes these art pieces Let's that are- Let's pretend you showed them to me now, since, yeah. since it's a podcast. Oh, why don't you say the name of it so everyone can look them up on the internet? Right. Oh yeah, that's true. What, what, you don't know the, the name, Google do you? Search I'm gonna do that right now. Just, I'm just looking Google it up right now. Woodsman and see what comes up. <laughs> Woodsmith. Jack Haley. 
Like, you know, <laughs> we'll just be quiet here. We like to call this dead air. Yeah, sure. In the radio. No, that's the, the slang term. Slang term for it. Slang term. Oh my god. <laughs> that's what your teenage boys were looking for in bed. Yeah, Leave you the marquee. A little slang term. Oh wait, here it is. Leave you the marquee. I'm gonna find you the images. This guy. Which is you pointless look at on a, a podcast, but go stuff. ahead. No, but, but I can describe it better. Look at this. That's all made out of wood. It looks like clothes hanging in a clothesline, and right. they're all made out of wood. The stuff this yeah, guy it makes. Is. That's extraordinary. They have, I mean, he came out in People magazine. There's, look at all this stuff. Everything in his house is made out of wood. That's incredible. Everything. The desk looks like a pile of books. It's all wood. You know, I'm going to find you the boat. Right. That is incredible. Oh, mm-hmm. look at the boat. Okay. This is, I think, a Ferrari. I got to find it for you. He, he's riding down in a wood Ferrari down the canals in Venice. Yeah, that's pretty good. And What's then it? after that, he did a vase with a flower on it. Again, something else. And that this is an artist that Quran. is in Venice? In Venice. And what's his name? Livio de Marchi, or Livio de Marchi. I don't know exactly how to say that. Woodworker. Mm. Woodworker. Ah. Are there any uh, woodworkers in um, Northern Ireland? Look at that freaking... Oh look at that. Look at that car. The you car is made out of wood. He's driving the car on the water. There's not a lot of wood in Northern Ireland. I think it had been... Decimated, denuded? yeah, denuded. Thank you. Um, long ago, by the Scottish and the and the Irish and the English, and mm. yeah, that incredible. is incredible. He's driving a wood Ferrari down the canal there. I feel obligated to <laughs> yeah, I play it was the amazing. radio. Yeah, show I us was... more pictures for the podcast. Wait, I'm yeah, looking sure. for the vase. I'm looking for the vase. Oh, oh well, that'll be the magic. Wait, you hear that? Picture right there. That's the sound of everyone turning their iPods off. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Or it's looking a for, flower looking vase. For something better. Speed up. Yeah, yeah. Or something. That's a boat. I'm going to wait till this gets to something good. <laughs> okay. Okay, fine. I'm done with the wood. Very impressive, though. So, do you have any other questions about uh, Northern Ireland? I, I'm, I'm curious. It, it, it sounds like it's a beautiful place to go. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a little weird that you're going there for a film thing, though. I agree. Um, do you find the people that there are interested in international film? They're interested in American film. Do they laud you as a, uh, a famous screenwriter? Well, I mean, they, they treat me very nicely. I mean, part of what's interesting about my career um, is I've written for David Fincher. I've written for Tinkerbell. Um, I have I have spanned... What did you write for Tinkerbell? <laughs> I worked on the... Now uh, you've got Yanni's attention. Yeah, now, now she's interested. Um, he wrote her Vegas show. I did, yeah. Uh, she has snappy patter when she's at the Magic <laughs> Kingdom because there's little snotty kids that, that need to be put in their place. How many people from out of town do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I worked on um, the last animated film that came out. Uh, uh, the Number four, if you're oh. keeping track. <laughs> yeah, so. Okay, so you don't want to tell me, that's fine. <laughs> I think it was called Tinkerbell 4. The Reckoning? Um, wow, what a great writer. You don't even remember yeah. the names of the stuff that you write. It changed at the last minute, and I'm blanking mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. So, wow. it, it was called Tinkerbell and uh, the Mysterious Winter Woods for the longest time I was working on it, but that's not what it's called now. What is it called now? Do you want me to Google it? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I hope you're a little more on point when you're actually giving your seminar. This is on point. <laughs> <laughs> this is as good, as good as it gets. Well, I have notes for the seminar. Oh, okay. I've worked oh, it all out. Okay. I, have a, I have a whole thing I flip through. You know, I'm never at a loss for words because no. I've written them all down because I'm a writer. 
Yeah. A famous writer that is going to the... Uh, win- Cinemagic Festival for Young People. In Northern Ireland in two weeks. That's right. Well, would you take a bunch of pictures for us and... Um, I'll take a few. And then we'll show them on the next podcast. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll go through them on my iPhone for you. You know what? It was called... What was it called? Oh, you looked Secret it of the Wings. That's it. Secret of the Wings. Tinkerbell colon Secret of the Wings? I think they just go with... I think they left off the colon. I think it's just Tinkerbell Secret, Secret of, of the, the Wings. wings. Or it's just Secret of the Wings and then Tinkerbell is the franchise. So Is she as difficult to work with as everybody says? Uh, she's actually quite she's nice. Flighty. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. That, I got I to gotta respect that. I got to respect that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're done here. <laughs> That's uh, Ryan Rowe. Thanks for coming on Fork of the Road. Travel safely, Ryan, to Northern Ireland. Thank you. And thanks for educating us on all the wonderful things to do. So evidently, if you go to Northern Ireland... Bring your own food. And, pack a lunch. Uh, and wear warm clothes because the castles are cold, but bring a camera because the vistas are gorgeous. That is... I couldn't have summed it up better. And hopefully you can find an Indian restaurant. Right. Where things are not too grotty. Ryan Rowe, thanks for joining us on A Fork on the Road. Thank you, My pleasure. May, may you be... What is it? What's the... May you be dead... May oh, you, that may, one. May yeah. you be in heaven half an hour after the devil knows you're dead? Is that the... Do you do toasts when you're in Northern Ireland? There is a... You must do, like... <clears throat> there is a tradition that is in, Scottish, English, and Irish, which I had no idea about. Um, you are at a dinner with a large number of people. When the dinner is over... People start to get up and do performances of songs or recitations, perhaps your favorite Robert Burns poem you recite, or uh, someone got up and did a pretty spot-on Tina Turner impression oh. of some songs. And everybody at the table has to do something? I thought it was going around, and I was sweating bullets until finally somebody said, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. <laughs> and I was like, thank God. So you bagged out? You, I, let, you let down America? I did. I did. What would you have done there had were you people, the opportunity? These are talented people. That Tina Turner impression was dead on. How was I going to top that? The Robert Burns poem? <laughs> From memory. You know, clearly the guy's got, you know, got it in his pocket. And it's like, <laughs> I, I got my dinner poem, you know. But, uh, uh, you know, Lord Julian Fellows, uh, writer of Downton Abbey. Mm. Oh, um, hello. And his, and, his, and his lovely wife who sports a, rocks a turban. She wears a turban and makes it work. Wow. They had this whole thing where, where, where it comes around and they, they act like they're not going to do anything. No, no, no. I couldn't possibly. I could, I couldn't, oh, but Lord, you must. Oh, but, you must. Oh, but I think she has something to say. <laughs> and, and then she just starts going... And then he just goes, Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make it the and he and they nailed it and people loved it and I just thought what am I gonna do like some old stand up jokes or you know so something I you know remembered vaguely from the Toastmaster General book I don't think so yeah these are this is I felt like truly an amateur in a world of professionals at that so in that case better to stay quiet and let people wonder if you are an idiot rather than to stand up and prove it. Yeah. Well, yes, you've proved it very well here today. Thank you so much. That's yeah. Ryan Rowe, world-famous screenwriter and celebrity uh, uh, teacher. 
at the Magic of Cinema Festival in Northern Ireland. Cinemagic. Also known as the Cinemagic Festival. That's what I meant. So if you happen to be in Northern Ireland next week, uh, get yourself a ticket and you can, you can not only see and experience Ryan's um, uh, prepared remarks, but maybe get him to do a toast. A toast. <laughs> Ryan, I just have one more thing to say. Please. May you have all the happiness and luck that life can hold. And at the end of all your rainbows, may you find a pot of gold. Wow, an Irish blessing. Thank you so much. <laughs> he kind of looks vaguely Irishy. <laughs> yeah, he could pass. Scottish Welchy. He could he could pass for Irish. Yeah. And I know he can drink. No. So that's that's really He knows we can drink too. <laughs> yeah. It seems to be the major skill that you need to really succeed in Ireland. Um, our final guest on the show today is a force of nature. We've all seen the baby pageants the little toddler with tiaras, pageants, the Miss America, Miss Teen USA, all these pageants that... They're all kind of interesting in their own way, but I think this one, because seem... of the life experience that you have behind every contestant, um, I think this would be... I'm not, I, why isn't it televised? Uh, I would we're talking about the it. Miss Senior America pageant, uh, which is held in Atlantic City, where the regular Miss America pageant is held. And personally... I, I think the regular beauty pageants are are, are kind of old school and not misogynist, but it's it seems very patronizing to tell fifty women to parade around the stage in a bikini and let us look at you, and then we're going to pick the prettiest one. And I think a certain type of woman is drawn into that kind of competition, and and we've all we've all enjoyed the hilarious Q and A over the years of some of those deer in the headlights women when they're asked a very simple question. Uh, about Iraq or uh, travel. Yes. And, that, you, and there's <clears> a, I'm sure there's a fail compilation on uh, oh my YouTube. God, that would be great. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to find that clip and I'm going to tweet we'll it out it. today because it, it really is hilarious. However. Did you know I was. Um, um, Miss Cuba? No, no, no. There was a contest a long time ago. It was uh, Miss Cuba in Exile. Oh, my God. And I had a boyfriend that looked at me and I said, oh, look at this. How funny. They're doing this. I'm, you know, this is great for the, for the community. My boyfriend at the time looks at me. He goes, you're not pageant material. And I looked at him and I go, what? So on a dare, I entered the talent competition and I was in the top 10, but then I didn't make it anywhere after that. Oh, so but you're I not pageant you, material. I'm not, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm totally Totally okay with that. The girls were great, but it's not Pageant an experience. Material. That sounds like that would. That was a horrible thing to say to anybody. But to me, I took it on as a challenge. Yeah, I was but like, I think what? He, how dare you? I even think saying you. you are pageant material might be a horrible thing to say. No, I think it cuts both ways. No. Well, to I me, think, and I could be wrong, and I don't want to offend any it's great women. For, who, for those who like it and can do it, personally, I would never do it again. It's just not me. I'd rather I'd rather celebrate the book, not the cover. <laughs> That's a good, I'm going to save, I'm going to keep that one in my pocket. That's a good turn of a phrase. However, the Miss Senior America pageant, I think is fantastic. You have all these uh, older women showing up and strutting their stuff, and it's all about personality and talent. Um, See, that one I would join. Yeah, people, you, you can be 60 years and up. I believe one of the contestants was 92 years old. Yep. I mean, I would That's like amazing. to see a 92-year-old woman in a, in a bikini walking across the stage. Why not? I play hockey with a guy who's 85 years old, and I've seen him naked. And, <laughs> and I'm sure he's going to love that. No, well, he, I'm, I, I, he's going to well, love that you said that on the air. In the shower, it's not like I peep through his bushes. But you know, <laughs> he's 85 years old, and he's still playing ice hockey three times a week. So it's a good-looking 85-year-old 
male body. But it, you know, it's definitely different. And I think by celebrating the uh, the, the successes of a life well lived, yeah, it's interesting. See, that's my thing. I would be more interested in the talent competition because, I mean, these women, I mean, at 82, you have a lot of stories. Pick one of the talents. Right. I don't know what I would do. I don't know, make animal balloons? That's my talent. <laughs> and, well, if by the time you're 60, if that's your only talent, I think you can <laughs> sleep it a little bit. Luckily, we have the winner, the newly minted Miss Senior USA 2013, Carolyn Coilu. So nice to have I'm you here. <laughs> so you are Miss Senior America 2013. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It was I was humbled and honored. What now, tell, us, tell us a little bit about the Miss Senior America pageant. I wasn't aware that there was one. How many years has it been going on? It is 33 years old. Wow. And uh, it takes place, it took place this year in Atlantic City. Uh, and uh, the, the third week in October, I was there a week. And we had, um, uh, I was crowned Miss Tennessee in uh, April. And they just direct you right towards the Miss America Senior. And I arrived in uh, Atlantic City a week before, and we were a week of preliminaries, interviews, talent. Um, it's, it's the it's, it's pattern after Miss America. All our dressers, all our stagehands, everybody that worked with us were from were had just done the Miss America pageant the month before. And so um, when we arrived in Atlantic City, um, I thought they had this gorgeous room in the resort hotel. And this gorgeous beach, and I never even got to go outside for four days because <laughs> we, we we had ten hour days of interviews and preliminaries, and and two days of preliminaries, which we did our talent and our evening gowns and our philosophy of life, and uh, then the day of the pageant, they picked the same as Miss America. They they the show starts, and then they immediately go to the top ten, and the top ten from there. Uh, go on and and perform at the big show. Your talent. What was your talent? I'm a singer. I've been with Charlie Daniels since 1979. I'm sang on the road with Charlie for 17 years. Wow. I've been all of yeah. I'm a, kind of a southern rocker. You know what? My so, first my first job in show business was as in a country band in 1981 in high school, and we had. Just a kick-ass girl fiddle player named Chris Miller, and our, we'd close our shows with "Devil Went Down to Georgia," and people would go nuts for that song. And they still do. I bet they do. We still, I, I, I still work with Charlie, and I go out with him occasionally. I'm getting ready to go to Tampa to do a big fundraiser concert and golf tournament down there, and uh, that is people go crazy. Colleges, college kids, everybody knows the song, and it's still the. Uh, it's still the topper of the evening. So you now, so you're kind of a ringer then. It wasn't a fair competition. You're just competing against these other senior ladies. Well, let me just tell you about these women. Uh, <laughs> these were there were uh, these women were over the top. They were opera singers, the professional opera singers. They were Broadway dancers. They were actresses on Broadway. Wow. They were uh, professional musicians, pianists. The, ta- the talent was over the top. Talent was 30%. I was the only, I mean, the opera singers, uh, the last Miss America, 2012, Miss California, she was a professional opera singer. She was a music professor at Pepperdine University. 
And she was, uh, she's an unbelievable, uh, accomplished woman. When I got up there, I had them. these women were, uh, first of all, I told my husband when he got there the day before the big show, and I told him, even if I do not make top 10, which was my goal, if I don't make top 10, I'm going to leave here a more, uh, I'm going to leave here different because these women were so empowering. They were so incredible with their energy, with their zest for life. Miss Louisiana was 93 years old. She's written four books. She was a World War II vet. She oh, had wow. so much energy. She was an actress, and she did a fabulous uh, a piece, a recitation, a dramatic piece. She made top ten. And, and, you cr- and you crushed her dreams, Carolyn. Way to go. Well, you crushed a 92-year-old uh, you know lady. Uh, I just came, you know, and I came to have a good time, but I was in it to win it. <laughs> but I did I did tell my husband that, you know, when I leave here, this is how I want to live the rest of my life. These women had fun. They were outside of the box. There, it was. They were a hoot. They laughed. They, you know, it just was, it was a lot of fun. I was blown away. Well, let's back up for a second. Explain to me um, how you qualify. What's the minimum age? Are there any other qualifications to enter? And you can be, obviously you can be married or single, right? Doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. And I love that about it because, you know, most pageants, um, you know, starting from young, you know, it's body, mind, and spirit. Mm -hmm. This Miss America Senior is 60 and above. And it, it, it is spirit, mind, and body. And I love that. They don't care if you've been divorced. But, you know, because at this age, we all have a journey. Uh-huh. There's one criteria. You know what? We, you just can't be a convict. <laughs> you can't so, be a convict? They ask you if you, you know, if been arrested and convicted of a crime. Uh, so, and the 92-year-old, the 92-year-old lady had not been arrested and convicted of a crime? That's correct. You would think she in 92 years. I would think in 92 years you're bound to run afoul of the law at some point. Well, you know, God willing, uh, I hope I follow her path. And um, now, in the past, a lot of people have been critical of um, uh, the, the the beauty pageants that we all know of because they seem to celebrate just the outer beauty of. Well, that and that was my just my point that that uh, where it's usually body, mind, spirit. This is spirit, mind, body. So what I'm saying is that you, it is who you are, and it's what the journey you have come through, and and how you portray. You know, you're living at this point in life. Right. Um, I think something that that there were so many. You know, when they chose the top ten, I didn't even think I had made top ten because I was the last one called. And there were so many women out there, I thought, well, shoot, I, I didn't make it. But then I heard him say Tennessee, and I stepped forward. But, um, you know, the opera, the classical arts, I'm a, I've been on the road with a southern rock band for years and years. I, I did sing. I, I, my deal was I brought some southern blues up to Atlantic City, and I did a 1960s uh, Etta James Uptown song, a song uh, called Tell Mama. Oh, that's a good so, tune. Yeah, it was a good tune, and I can sing it, and uh, and, and I brought it. So uh, I think that, but talent was only thirty percent. There was interviewed. I'm I'm a fitness um, person. I've run seven mar- half marathons since I've been fifty three. 
Uh, I took up golf at 52. Uh, I'm, I'm three years of yoga. Wow. You know, so my, if I have a platform, uh, it's to keep moving. I have um, the age per se has never really bothered me because I think I've, I I do I am a little outside the box, and so I'm not. You know, I tend, you know we all have our aches and pains, but. You know, turning a year older doesn't really, I, I don't, that doesn't define me. Well, and I think this kind of pageant is very emblematic of what's going on in the country. You know, 50 years ago, a 50-year-old, especially a 50-year-old woman, was old because people were not living as long or living as healthy and, and vibrantly into their old age. And now you see people regularly in their 60s, 70s. I play ice hockey here in California, and I play with a guy who's 85 years old. And he's he's not bad. Uh, see, and that I think that has to do with a lot of what's going on. By the year 2025, 62% of the United States is going to be over 60 years old. You're kidding. And I just think that we're, you know, it's it's geared to, you know what, it's geared to longevity, it's geared, geared to healthy living. Uh, I have, I live on a 110-acre uh, small little cattle ranch outside of Nashville. My husband and I are the only ones that run it. We have 50 head of cattle. We have seven horses. I have five dogs. Oh, wow. Um, I run on my property. We work all, <laughs> we take care of all the cattle and horses ourselves. I'm a perennial garden. I have seven garden beds. Uh, I think it's it's about just, you know, it's about doing stuff and, and living. And I also have a financial company I in the music business. So I have five clients, and I, I still work. And let me tell you something, uh, you know, retiring at age 62 to 65, those days are over. Yeah, because, well, you know what? I think um, you're right. As long as you are active and having fun, there's, you know, you, you do what you do. And there's so many things to do. Well, and there really go. are so many things to do. I grew up in California. I grew oh. up in California. I auditioned. I found a small ad in the Hollywood Reporter for Charlie Daniels Band in 1979. I auditioned thinking, because I had another band, I was in California, thinking, well, I'll just do this for a year. I got the gig, and I came back and sold my storage in California over the phone. What did you, you wear to your audition? I'm, I, uh, let me, let me in, guess. Daisy Dukes? And a bandana on your head and some tight-fitting clothes no, and high heels. Actually, <laughs> well, have you seen her? She's stunning. You're beautiful, yes. Well, I actually, I was 29 then, and uh, actually, I just kind of gave some jeans and whatever. But uh, I did, I had a chance before that to sing with a lot of talented artists. There's a sang on the, the lead song, Looking for Love with Johnny Lee. In 1982, uh, it was a big hit. Yeah, that's, that's me singing, looking for love. That's <laughs> me singing the background there, and, and I had a lot of success. I actually still get checked in the mail for that movie from singing on that song. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. Wow. But, um, you know, what I happened was to, to, to lead a, a life that I was able to pursue with a, a career that I, you know, I truly love. I think doing something you love has a lot to do with it, but, um, well, and what a great uh, role I, model for so many others. It sounds like you're the anti-trophy wife. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, my, and my husband, you know, we're in the music business, and, you know, he's getting used to the queen, but, um, yeah. you know, he really is the king. So, you know, in the South, we, you know, we, we, we fix a plate for our 
for our man and making tea and and then whatever we need to do. But it's um, it's really a, it's really a tough little thing. I, you know, I, I hope to uh, promote this this crown that I was. You know, I, I was just blessed. It could have been anybody that won, but but I uh, was just uh, blessed to, uh, to 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 win the title, and, and I really want to honor it and. And I've got a lot of. I'm going to travel over the United States. Well, yeah. What are your duties, um, Carolyn? What What are you? Well, I'm going to go. I'll be going to about 40 states. Wow. I've got a publicist now. Um, I do enjoy public speaking. I am going to try to uh, make it into service work. We We do a lot of work with uh, returning vets and fundraising with the um, injured soldiers with uh, uh, PSD and uh, actual physical injuries. So I'm going to promote that. Uh, we we're big uh, fundraisers for TJ Martell, which is a big cancer. Yes, it is. Um, that's, a good, that's a very good charity. Uh, we we do a lot. We do a lot for them. So I'm going to continue my work in that. And um, I'm also going to try to uh, I'm going to try to empower women. That, you know, if, if you know, if everybody has their physical disabilities, you know, and, and you know, you just got to try to, whatever it is, try to do something a little more, you know, raise that arm a little higher, or put that foot out a little further, um, because, you know what, there is an expiration date uh, on our lives, and we all have one, and we never know when it's going to be, so, you know, each day is, you know, we might as well start it as each day is a gift, yesterday's gone, and tomorrow is not promised. Let me let me ask you something. Here, out here in California, it seems like every fifty-year-old, not every, many, many fifty-year-old women that I see have had so much plastic surgery, trying to look like they're still twenty, and it's. I, I think it's, and even men do it too. But I, I notice it mostly in women. And and to me. And th- I, I could be wrong. My wife is looking at me like I'm crazy here. But I don't know why he's mentioning that. Well, because. Well, I, well I here's the thing. I haven't had that yet. I haven't gone there. Now, in the South, I grew up in the Valley. I'm a Valley. I'm the original Valley girl. Um, I grew up in the Valley in the 60s. But in the South, there is not the emphasis on that. Of course, people are doing it. And you know what? I, anybody that wants to do that to make themselves... You know, I look at the mirror and go, you know, I would just like this done a little bit. And But going to L.A., when I go back, I have a sister that still lives there, and I look around there, I go, oh, my gosh, I don't want to look like that. Oh, my God. They look dis- – they, they, t- this is a male's it's- point of view. They look disgusting, and you know what? I think it's the most misogynist mindset you can be because what you're saying is, oh, my God, I need I, – I look – older than I, I don't look 20 years old and I'm only valuable if I look 20 years old and women, they, they carve up their faces and they do all kinds of things so that their expressions don't change. And it just looks so unnatural. And well, my isn't opinion, that something that society has done to us? I mean, you know, pick up a magazine, pick up a magazine. That is what society has done to us. Well, so. but you're fighting back against that. That's what I'm saying. You, you, as, as a woman of your age, you know, you're miss senior America, you are beautiful physically, you're beautiful, your personality is wonderful, you're so energetic, and I think... You're a go-getter. Yeah, I think that is what women, or anybody, should really Well, and that, that is what I keep stressing, it is, it is spirit, mind-body, because if you don't have something within you, you're going to be sorely disappointed as you get older. I'm going to be 62 uh, next week, and, um, you know, I mean... 
the reason I stay busy, stay fit, try to run, I, I ran this morning three and a half miles, it's not because I've got some fitness goal. I'm just trying to keep it together for the next 20 years, if God willing. You know, I don't know. You know what? I, I don't know if that's what I have, but I, I owe it to myself and, and to to my daughter and to my family to at least try to do the best I can to be the best I can exactly. today. Exactly. And, and I think that you, you, know, you, you set a great example for women. And, 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 and I guess what I'm saying is from a guy's point of view, we, we, a lot of us, most of us don't find the, the ridiculous plastic surgery addiction attractive because all it says to me, when I see a woman that's obviously had all kinds of work done striving to look older, it tells me... Striving to look younger. Striving yeah. to look younger, yeah. It tells me that she's got no... She doesn't value herself. She only values how she looks. And it, it's just, it's like a turnoff. It's like seeing someone smoking a cigarette. It's like, oh. I kind of disagree. If you need a little work, go ahead and get it. Well, but I'm, well, I'm talking you know mostly what, about I, You know what? I, I'm not saying I'm not going to do it. Ten years I down, know, I'm right? like, oh, my gosh. I've got, this has got to be fixed. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I don't really, I know what you're talking about because it's disturbing to see because does it really work? When you go to those extremes, no, it doesn't. It doesn't I'm telling work. you, it doesn't. And I think, I think, but I think it's all inside, and most people don't know how beautiful they. Truly and a lot are. of people that live in Beverly Hills don't have it inside. That's my point. And, and I'm not sure they don't have it, but the, but the pressure is on out there. I grew up there. Yeah, but I you know what? No sixty-year-old, nine years old. I understand that, but the thing is, it is not like that. I don't think the rest of the United States has that hard. No, it doesn't. It's really bad here. pressure. I think it's more about you know who you are, what you're doing. What I mean it's just not the emphasis that's put on that. And you know what? I got to say, there was not in this pageant. There was forty some contestants and or you know competitors in it. And you know what? There was not a there was not a lot of plastic surgery. Well, I think that's so. It shows good. you the state winners. That does not work. Um, good, you know, if there were, it did not work because these women were, you know, what they were just—they were talented. They were vibrant. They were—they were, they were uh, moving. They were, you know, exciting. They were fun. Well, I think and, that's you know what when it gets to this point, you know, that's all we have left. So you better just—you better be comfortable with who you are. You're—it's going to be a bad run. <laughs> Was it televised? Was the, the contest um, televised? Pageant. I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Was the pageant televised? Was it supervised? Televised. On TV. Oh, televised, no. I think it was live streamed, but it was not. But we're going to work on that because do you not think this would be a, an interest? Absolutely. Oh, I would totally watch. It, it, Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm going to look it Everybody up. that came, I mean, the, the theater was packed, a thousand, you know, for three days, all the preliminaries. It was sold out. I mean, people were interested. They were kind of, you know, it was, it was, it, everybody wanted to know, wanted to see who are these women. All right. Now, let me ask and, you this, Carolyn. I, I've been backstage at a lot of um, uh, pageants and things with, with you know, young teenagers and, and women in their 20s, and it is mm -hmm. so catty and nasty backstage. Does did, Was there any of that at your pageant of, of women who were just, you know, snipey and snotty and just had to win? Well, Not one bit. No. We everybody encouraged no, everybody. When I saw somebody, because I'm a singer and I've been on the road doing it, when I saw somebody that was struggling with something and something that I knew something about, I would go, look, 
if you're having trouble hitting that note, don't hit the note, go over the note. Or there's one of the opera singers who was unbelievable. She sings like in the greatest opera houses all over the United States. I said, look, I said, you've got to step to sing in that mic because you're so beautiful, but you can't. She goes, I am not used to singing in a stand-up mic. She goes, either I have a face mic on or I'm using acoustics. I said, that I'm, I said, I'm a singer. I said, you just sing. And she was like, and run her up because she, she just said, you know, I said, sing it. And, and, and we all, it was not like that. That's why it was so there's fun. Gotta be, there's got to be one fun story that you could one tell One catty lady one story. One naughty story. You know what? There was, I, and let me just tell you this, the night before, there was a formal, semi-formal ball. And it was, and I didn't know what to expect. You know, I didn't know what to expect, what it was going to be. My husband and daughter flew up that night. I had a friend come up with me for the whole week. We got to this ball. And it was in the grand ballroom, et cetera. It, you know, one of the hotel in Atlantic City. And it was these women who, who from, I mean, from 20 years up till now, all state winners, um, past senior winners. I mean, there were a thousand people were, these women came so decked out with their husbands, their boyfriends and tails. And there was a 17 piece man. These, we rocked out. This party went on. These people were dancing. They were laughing. They were having martinis. This was one of the most fun. I am in the music business. I go to events all the time. This was one of the most fun parties I have been to in years. Were people hooking up? Oh, I, well. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I just know that everybody was dancing with everybody. That's a yes. That's yeah. a yes. See, you're too politically correct now because you are the queen. But yeah, that's. A, I'm going to take that as a yes, Carolyn. Well, you know what? I have no knowledge because <laughs> I didn't have enough time because I worked 10 hours a day. So I was just, you know, standing over here and found they're going to take a picture of this and that. So it was, um, it was fun. You know what? I really have nothing. Um, I don't have that much drip, but I'll tell you this. There needs to be a reality show. Somebody needs to follow this because it is the coolest thing. And once you get in it, you won't be able to take your eyes off it because it's such a trip. Well, you know what? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up on Ustream and see where it's at, see if I can see it. Yeah. Yeah, see if you can see it. And also go to SeniorAmerica.org. There's some stuff, and I think they're putting a video out, too. I know they've shot one, so um, it's – but it is – it is something to see. And and let me tell you this, the fourth runner up in Colorado is blind. And she was one of the most awesome opera singers. I mean, wow. she was unbelievable. And she had, a, a, you know, she had her dog with her on stage. And she was chatty and fun and powerful. And she told people, you know, look, don't touch my dog. Don't look at my dog. Don't pet my dog. You know, I'd love to see you. Please come up to me. Hold my hand. Tell me who you are. Every time you talk to me, grab my hand and say who you are again. I mean, she was very um, in control, and she was fourth runner-up. Not because, you know, any kind of a sympathy vote. It's just because she was so strong, and, you know, she's a, a... uh, she's a speaker. She does motivational stuff. Yeah. I'm just telling you. This I is, think the, this the behind the scenes, the, the stories that these women must have, um, uh, must be amazing. Uh, I'm definitely going to look it up. And uh, you got to go check it out because it is really somebody's going to get a hold of it because it is too interesting. Yeah, I was. Blo- if I had not made top ten, I was still going to leave empowered. <laughs> 
Well, we're so glad that we got a hold of you, Carolyn. Congratulations, Miss Senior America. Do you have a website where people can visit you? And uh, well, you I have a Facebook now. I'm getting ready. I've got a publicist now. I'm going to put. Um, I've got a website going, but just go to uh, Senior America 2013. Miss Senior America 2013. Carolyn Corlew is my Facebook page. I've got a lot of followers. There's a lot of information. All my friends that were in the pageant are on that, and also SeniorAmerica.org. Love it. Well, congratulations, uh, and we hope you get to California soon so we can see you in person. I will be there. I will be there for the pageant in uh, in August. So uh, hopefully we'll look forward to coming and see it. Would love that. Love that. That is Carolyn Cornu, Miss Senior America. Oh, what a delight. She's awesome. I would, seriously, I've seen pictures of her online. She's stunning. I would love to see her in a bikini. <laughs> you should have told you know, her that. You I, know, I, well, I, I was. When I said that she was the anti-trophy wife, I think she got a little offended there. But I meant that as a compliment. You know, a lot of guys, they marry their first wife, and then the minute they see one wrinkle in her face... They yeah, but dump that was a little, her and they get a, a young, no, no, no. beautiful woman. You, 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 you're a little. That was a little Nothing's extreme. Wrong with That's that. a little extreme. If what? I ever need work, I'm gonna. You bet your patootie. I'm gonna walk into that doctor's office and go, okay, lift this and lift that. I, I, you know what? That's okay because you got to have a good pair of cans. That's your calling card. Pair of cans. But my can't. calling card. That's you're pair right. of cans. But when I see women who have really jacked up their face trying to look, you know, you're 45 years old. Don't try and look 20. Ladies, it never works. Mark, live it, and let live. It doesn't work. Live and let live. But you know what? To me, it screams out insecurity, and that's not attractive. I'd rather be with a good-looking 45-year-old woman than a woman who's so desperate to look 20 and is 45, because that's the tip of the problem iceberg. But that's you. There's somebody out there for everybody. No, there isn't. I try not to judge. No, all of my... I'm not judging. I'm just giving you my opinion. I'm already married, so I'm stuck. That's right. But I'm talking about single guys who haven't already put the marital noose around their necks and are still <laughs> free to ramble and roam. <laughs> Be careful, because those kind of girls, they're nuts. And um, sometimes nuts can be good, but long term, it wears on your nerves a little bit. Uh, that is such an extreme point of view. Yeah, I know. But so what? Boy, middle of the road. Uh, I hope the housewives cool. of whatever call in. Oh, my God. I, you know what? You, the housewives, all of those housewives, you could you could stick a firecracker up their ass and light it off, and their expression wouldn't change. <laughs> oh my God! Who thinks of these things? Whether they're happy or sad, oh, they're just repulsive. The uh, the one don't, don't don't say that on they, the air. They look to me so fake and phony. Oh my God! I want to hit like them over the head shows. right now. Uh, I want to hit you over the head maybe, right now. The, all those housewife shows are completely scripted. Com- all those housewife shows are completely scripted. They're completely phony. There's nothing real about them, including the faces of the people that are on them. Oh, my God. There's got, you know what? I would rather sit in the dark and cut my toenails for an hour than watch any of those shows. I have no words. I hope they call in and they... Yeah. What is it? Build you a new one? What is it saying? Build me a new one? No, that's not what that's not. <laughs> What's the saying, the saying go? I'm not even going to help you because you don't <laughs> even know what you're talking about. And, and if they did call in, we wouldn't even be able to tell if they were happy or sad because their faces don't move. Between it's the Botox, audio. you could tell. It's audio. You could tell. Not, no. They all talk like this because they can't move their mouth Oh, my their God. Faces. Bethany Frankel, I, I hope you Oh, my God. Don't get me started on her. Don't get me started on her. Oh, re- oh come on. She, oh, she is, she is, oh. The most unappealing human being I've ever met in person. Oh, my Lord. 
Why did I say anything? Shallow, materialistic, mean to anyone that can't help her. That's just, too much. Just that's, a, too much. that's too much. You it, can't. No. These are all my opinions. No, that's too much, DiCarlo. No, no. it's not. That's too much. Well, it's my opinion. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I worked with her last year, and we, we already did this. I don't want to go. You, you're, you're teasing me with Beverly, Bethany Frankel. I don't want to mention her name. Because, uh, hey, her talk show's really great. The, oh, it's canceled. Damn. All right. Well, that wraps that up. That was just uncalled for. You know what? I, I, I know it's it's evil and mean to no. take the delight in the pain of others. But when in the pain of the other is Bethany Frankel, I got to admit, I'm smiling a little bit. And so with wrong. that nasty little tidbit, I am going to wrap up this episode of A Fork on the Road along with the lovely and talented Traveling Deep. We had a good show. We talked. Whose opinions differ from Mark DiCarlo? That's fine. You, that, you're entitled to have some of your own opinions, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, we had a great show. We want to thank all of our guests. Uh, Senor Alain Boulot, the general manager of the Laundry Palace, uh, screenwriter to the stars and Tinkerbell. Ryan Rowe, mm-hmm. and the lovely and extremely talented singer and newly minted Miss Senior USA 2013, Carolyn Collou. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, you can reach us. The first thing you have to do is subscribe on iTunes. All right, subscribe to the Fork show. Fork on the road. Subscribe but, on iTunes. Well, they're listening to the show. I'm assuming that they're subscribed. Subscribed? Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, subscribe and get 10 of your friends to subscribe. That would even be better. And uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm Mark DiCarlo. She's... Traveling Diva. And, of course, you can find this show and all of our shows and links to all of our videos and all of my stories on the Huffington Post travel section on our website, which is the Fork on the Road Show. Dot com. So until next week, I'm Mark DiCarlo. And I'm Yanni Alvarez. And we'll see you 